I'm back on the introduction. I like this, Ben. We can all see each other. You two are back from university, and the Wi-Fi, it's not going to crash, is it? <laughs> no, not this Hopefully time. not. Touch uh-huh. word, touch word. Hello, and thank you very much for checking out the RTE Film Podcast with Ben, Jacob, and Charlotte. Today, we are going to be continuing breaking down the films nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Now, this week, the film that we're going to be you know, delving into is the one and only Mac. Uh, plus, we've also got reviews from the United States versus Billie Holiday and Moraney's Black Bottom. All that and more coming up on today's Articu Film Podcast. So we've all watched Mank. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a strange film. Like, I, I went on it and I was like, it's in black and white. I was half expecting like a Wizard of Oz situation where it was suddenly going to come into colour. How wrong I was. Guys, that would have been you know, cool. That would have been cool. That's what I wanted to happen. But guys, just briefly, what do, what did you guys think of the film? Um, well, I think of the film in the exact way as Citizen Kane, which is the film Mike's based off, in the fact that technically it's a really good film. David Fincher is an amazing director. He's on top form. It looks stunning. Uh, it's interesting. But it is so emotionally cold. It is almost impossible to connect to. Uh, like Citizen Kane. And every year we have one of these films that gets in at the Oscars that is only made for the people who vote on the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. And Charlotte, just quickly, what did you think? I mean, I I, I, I like David Fincher, Fincher, I can't say his last name, sorry, as like a director. But I mean, I've watched Fight Club, Gone Girl. Like I've really liked some of his movies and I'm not going to lie, this just went straight over my head. <laughs> I, I love a black and white movie, so it it wasn't even the fact it was black and white, but it, it just wasn't for me. There was no grip for me. There was no substance. So, I mean, obviously, Ben seems to talk quite highly, so I'm, I'm quite enjoying going to enjoy listening to your boy's perspective, because like I said, for me, it just went over the head. Yeah, so, from a editing point of view, I did like the music going in and out of scenes. That was why I love having the cameras on. We all went to talk then at the same time, but we could like work out by seeing <laughs> each other who we were going to let. When the camera's off or when you're at uni, it's like a oh, oh, oh situation. We don't have that anymore. But what what's really interesting is, Ben, I, I think you kind of like the film, right? You kind of like bits of it, for sure. I respect the film. Right. <laughs> Charlotte, you obviously weren't the biggest fan. Neither was I, but I'm. I think I was uh, not a fan of it for different reasons to you. So this is going to be this is going to be an interesting podcast. I'm excited. But uh, in case you haven't watched Mank, we have got the synopsis here. Which one of you would like to do the honour and read out the synopsis? Have you ever well, read a synopsis, Charlotte? It's done for me to do it, but I might butcher some of the words. So um... yeah, that's exactly why I don't do it. Okay, so the reason Ben doesn't do it is because otherwise it's too much of Ben, even, even though that wasn't a problem at the start of last week's podcast where he just monologued it for two minutes, Ben. Actually, it was six minutes monologue. Um... <laughs> Charlotte, you're reading the synopsis. Yeah, so it's a 1930s, Holly- 1930s Hollywood. It's Hollywood, Hollywood's the word. Is reevaluated through the eyes of, oh, goodness of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter herman j ben help me out with that word mankovich oh, forgive you off we can forgive you for names okay i mean mankovich is said like 50 times during the film 
Well, that was a bit of a telling off there. Well, like I said, it did just go over my head, this movie. But anyway, as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane for Orson Welles. Well done, Charlotte. You can breathe now. Relax. Oh, stressful. Let's do like Mamma Mia next time or something. Like that one was quite hard. Stressful. Oh, like, oh, yeah. Next time we've got the trial of the Chicago Seven. That's way easier. Um, <laughs> but no. So Mank is. I've heard some people describe Mank as like David Fincher, who's the director. It's like yeah, his citizen. Yeah, about the director for a bit. Yeah, it's like I've heard people call it his Citizen Kane. It is his passion project, and I would say in a weird way, it's his most ambitious film yet it's his boldest film um i actually think he's not done most of his best work was in the 90s to like 2010 and it is his best film since the social network 10 years ago um in my opinion uh and it's kind of most similar of his work to benjamin button the brad pitt film in the fact that it's brilliant it's technical it's bold it's ambitious it's Filmmaking actually pushes the art of filmmaking. Um, but because it does that, it leaves so much of the story to be desired. And it forgets that films are made for the audiences and they need emotion. And that's what really makes a film work. And every decision on a film set needs to be made about how can we best utilise the emotion. And it's a cold film. Mm. Yeah, I can feel like... Go on, Charlotte. Oh, OK. Well, I know, I, I agree. I feel like it was from a less less of an audience's point of view which is why i'm sure ben has a a, well i mean i'm not slagging off jacob but more of a unique point of view because he's very into like the cinematics and stuff like that but yeah ben is very much into into his film i also study film so well exactly he studied it but from me and i guess jacob's point of view as well i look at it but we're not like massive film and tv people which is kind of like why i like doing this podcast like get the other perspectives yeah but i so i can see it from like the perspective of actually like all the other bits that go into a movie other than just like watching it but from a opinion of you know i'm there just to watch it and enjoy it it was a hard watch it was a really hard watch (laughs) it was it really was Ben. please i mean i mean i know you don't have it we've been doing this quite a few months now and i know you haven't got me to watch loads of films but Mate, I can't say I'm jumping for joy about having to watch any more after this. You could have at least saved this to last. Like, no, it's because... Crikey, mate. Okay, to be fair, when I oh. made the first document, yeah, over three, yeah. when the nominations were announced, only four films were going to get released in time for Best Picture. Now we've got Promising Young Woman and Sound of Metal coming up, and I just went through them in alphabetical order. Like, I didn't... So... And this is my least favourite of the films I've seen. I've seen five of them. Um, right. And I can't wait for Minari and Promising Young Woman. So, like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't have made you <laughs> watch it. I would never no, have even... Well, I would I never have even recommended... realise what I don't like in a movie. That's... I would never <laughs> have even... I'd never have even recommended this film for you, Jacob. I mean, Charlotte, have you, because you talk about, what's your favourite David Fincher film, Charlotte? Just because um, you said. I mean, Fight Club's a bit of a classic. It is. Um, Gone Girl, I think, I loved. Classic. Did, Absolute classic. Did there. you guys... Uh, I haven't watched. Did you guys watch the social net... All three of us were at the same school. Uh, so, did you... That's how we know each other. Did you guys watch the social network, the Facebook film in Year 9 IT? Or was that just Mr. Andrews's oh, lazy I teaching? 
Yeah, I watched um, No, I haven't. Is it on Netflix? Uh, I don't know where it was. Um, my year yeah, nine teacher Netflix, used to... Yeah. My... I may have, but I don't think it was in IT because I didn't have that teacher that you've just named wrong. Yeah, my year nine IT teacher, who then ended up being my tutor for two years after, he used to illegally stream movies. And after having two years of seeing him every morning, he used to ask on to stream. In like year 11, I was like, you are aware just how wrong this is. <laughs> and did he stop? Well, I don't know, because I know I didn't really meet him, see him very much after. But I actually so I, confronted him. I want to know, right, before we, you know, just teach us any more about how illegal they are, Ben. And the fact that you even said his name as well, Ben. <laughs> you know, you gotta, his dad's you head of governors at that school. He got the job on nepotism. Ben! I mean, he's not a very good teacher, is he, if you really think about it. I mean, I, I like him. I like him. No, I, I liked him. Guys, guys, I'm still at the school. Yeah, Jacob's still at school. He's got to worry about that stuff. I don't. I really... <laughs> school, we've got some words to have, me and you. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, what I would know is, will fans of the classic movies like this movie? Because the whole point of this is that, like, it's kind of trying to be like a 1940s film. In my opinion, this film, it just tried too hard, you know, to give off the 1940s film vibes. It just it just tried too hard. Sure, like, some of it landed well, but for me, a lot of it didn't. To be honest, I'm not the film buff here. Charlotte's definitely the film buff with the way she read that synopsis. <laughs> um, but it just... It just, yeah, it just didn't add up to, for me. It just, something didn't sit sit well with it. Actual film buff, Ben, what did you think? Yeah, so 1940s favourite films, uh, um, it's my favourite era of filmmaking. It is. You love of, my, of my top five favourite films of all time, two came from 1940s, two were released in 2016, and I don't, and the other one was released a few years ago. So that's how much I love them. I really do. And Casablanca is, I genuinely think, a perfect movie. Um, I'm not the biggest Kane fan. I really have to say that. But I love the era of studio um, Hollywood filmmaking. I love that. I love all that things, which is why I think I am slightly more apathetic to the more boring bits of this movie, because I am slightly more interested um, yeah, because I don't think this film has a particularly broad appeal, and I think Charlotte, you kind of can talk about how you were lost on it. Well, I mean, like I, I mean, it's just not my thing. I mean, it's not. Dis- I, I will always be open to a movie, always up to watching something. You watched it twice, didn't you? Yeah, I, I had to. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to say on this podcast, let alone what it's about. I had to watch it twice. Did you fall so- asleep in the first time? Because like. This this isn't me shaming you because genuinely I've watched films to study, been like I'm never writing an essay on this. Just got into bed, fallen asleep, and let my subconscious take it in while yeah. listening to it. Yeah, I had to start rewatching it again this morning, but I mean, it just it just didn't grip me. Like I just felt like there wasn't any substance. I and I know people will argue that there was and all of this stuff, but it just didn't for me. And for film fanatics, I'm sure this ticks many boxes but for general enjoyment it didn't take it for me and that's why i don't think it has a broad appeal because it's a very niche audience that it's yeah i echo that absolutely it's so niche like i can tell just from watching this film i can tell that a lot of people worked super hard on this movie you know the writers the actors the actors by the way that we're getting to later on absolutely incredible but the editor incredible but the editors as well you could tell that everyone worked so hard on this 
but it just didn't come together well. I don't know how else I can say it, but it just... And I actually feel a bit bad for saying this for me, but no, no. This film, like Charlotte said, very niche. And I didn't I didn't enjoy it that much. Like, the um, what was the film we did last week, Darren? Remind me of the name Judas of it. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, I didn't understand all of that, but I could appreciate that it was a good film and I actually relatively enjoyed it. This, I didn't understand, but I didn't enjoy. And I really had to... You know, when I had to keep like waking myself up, like, oh, I need to actually concentrate on this film. It just, it didn't grip me. Ben, I didn't watch Citizen Kane first. Would it have helped me if I had watched it? Um, I think undoubtedly this film is almost impossible to watch without having seen because it's Citizen not, it's not a sequel. Yeah, it's not a sequel. It's not a reboot. It's not a remake. Even though I would love to see someone try and have the balls to remake Citizen Kane. Um, if anyone does that, they'd like deserve money. Um, I am kind of, I've mentioned in this pod like hundreds of times I study film. And um, I got very lucky the first time I watched this film when it came on Netflix in December in the fact that the day before I'd had to write an assignment on Citizen Kane and not just on Citizen Kane, on the authorship and the author theory in Citizen Kane which is essentially the question, who wrote the film? And then the next day I ended up watching and reviewing a film about the writing of Citizen Kane. So, like, I, that, I think all that means I can appreciate it more. But at the same time, I had done, like, 25 hours of study on the... Like, 30 hours of study on the film that it's based off. And if I'm barely liking the movie and respecting it, that's not a good sign. And you, like like we said, you're a film buff, you know? I love films. They're why I get up in the morning. (laughs) I know, Ben. The fact that Ben also, like most other people would watch a film in bed, you know, and not get up and just think, oh, watch films all day. Ben gets, like, actually up and, like, sits down and, like, properly gets excited to watch a film. Well, particularly if I'm reviewing it, I get dressed and sit at a desk because I can't, if I fall asleep in a film that's boring, like I nearly might have in this film, yeah. Then I have to rewatch it because I will have missed something. So I can't fall asleep. But if you're sat at a desk, you can't really fall yeah, asleep. Yeah, but I. And if I if yeah. I fall asleep watching a film at a desk, then I'm not going to review it because I'm not going to enjoy writing or thinking about that film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Charlotte, you mentioned you haven't watched Citizen Kane either. No. So I, I've only ever heard of it. I know it's obviously very famous, but I, I've never actually watched it myself. And I think that's probably why I was confused and didn't really get it. I think, like Ben said, I mean, he's done like 30 hours of study on the whole thing about this. So I think definitely if you're going to watch this, you need to know about Citizen Game came beforehand personally. Okay, um, I'm sorry, this is slightly wambly, but um, I think you'll like this, Jacob, and I... I only just remembered this. Um, a few years back, me and Charlotte had an argument around the fact that at that point, I had not seen the film The Sixth Sense. And she properly called me out on this film. So my response is, I have seen hundreds of films, hundreds more films than you, which I stand by that statement, it is true. And I bet you haven't seen the classics like Citizen Kane like actual classics and charlotte went charlotte's looking so scared right now and charlotte like, goes charlotte, i've seen citizen and charlotte goes i've seen citizen kane and it's a terrible film and i was bored to death with it so worth the 
this inner Piers Morgan come from? So she... Maybe I have watched it there. <laughs> so <laughs> either, so I doubt you're lying now, but I just thought, like, because with me, I remember arguments to the death, like, that I, I don't... Maybe I have watched it, hold on. <laughs> so, um, I, I just thought, I just thought it'd be quite a funny comment to bring up an <laughs> argument we'd had at that. I just think the best thing was how scared Charlotte looked. I'm getting a bit... I don't... No, but I'm a bit scared because I think I've got dementia because I don't remember these conversations. No, it's... it's oh, I remember... No, I have. I have watched it. <laughs> clearly, it wasn't I'm... very memorable, though. I have watched it, but clearly... It... Sorry, I've just seen the little, like, pastry thing. I have watched it, but clearly... It... Sorry, I've just seen the little, like, pastry thing. I have watched it, but I don't think I knew it was called Sissy. <laughs> I mean, that is... <laughs> obviously, that... when I was having an argument with Ben... And it obviously didn't help you with the knowledge of this film, either. And it clearly didn't help with the knowledge of the film. Well, I think I got caught in this movie as well, probably. I mean, there is something amazing. There's a recurring theme. There is something absolutely amazing in the fact that, Charlotte, you don't remember watching the best film of all time. Like, I don't... It's not the best film of all time. Star Wars is, okay? Oh, God. That's a controversial point. I I think it's Schindler's List, but enough people say it's Citizen Kane that I think that's not a controversial comment. Citizen Kane is a more Marmite film than lots of people think, to be fair. Um, so yeah. but did this did uh, man did it honor Citizen Kane's legacy? Because it's such an iconic film. I haven't watched it. Charlotte turns out she actually has watched it, but can't remember. <laughs> a lot of people love this film. Does it honor Citizen Kane's legacy? I mean, it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't like disregard Citizen Kane's legacy, but it didn't really like honor it. Like it wasn't disrespectful. I didn't feel like the film really added much to it. But like I said, prior to this film, I hadn't watched Kane, didn't have any knowledge on Kane. And I bet you obviously did watch Citizen Kane. Did this film honor that film? Um, well, it's kind of really, really complicated um, without getting into it. But this film uh, talks about a narrative. So the script of Citizen uh, Mank was written in, but actually before all three of us were born. Yeah, because Jack Finch, the writer of this film, sadly died before all three of us were born. Um, so it's over 20 years old and it enhances a myth about Citizen Kane that Orson Welles, who directed the film, starred in the film, produced the film and did actually write the film. It, it goes with the myth that actually he took the credit for writing the film, even though what's not true. In actual fact, um, it was a collaboration between Herman Mankovich and Orson Welles added the signature parts that we all know as Kane in. Um, so I think it enhances the myths, even though it's actually a false narrative. Um, but I, and I also don't think it does a good job of capturing the magic of Kane and what made these complete inexperienced novices come together to create one of the greatest films of all time. I think if you're looking for a film, RK281, the 1990s HBO film, does a much better job at enhancing yeah. Kane and protecting Kane's legacy. If you think that's legacy, d- deserves to be protected. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we hope you're enjoying this week's RTE Field podcast as much as we are. We are absolutely loving it. Charlotte did not look bored or scared to shit at all during this podcast. Uh, please feel free to like and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. You know what, guys? I don't know if you saw this. We had our first ever review on Apple Podcasts this week, and it was a five-star review. I did, did you write this? Did, are you so... You're not going to be so buzzing when I read this out. Oh, my God. They don't like me, do they? <laughs> no, it was nothing against you. They just didn't mention you. What? This is from Alex White, one, two, three, four. Honestly, I, I don't know not... an Alex White. Um, So do any of you guys <laughs> know an Alex White? No, but I'm lucky now. Yeah, Alex Wright1234 says, Honestly, this podcast is great. The two men guys have such organic chemistry. They are funny, informative, and not afraid to push boundaries in regards to mental health and Black Lives Matter. These two will go far. I mean, Ben, come on, lad. Are you kidding? I it was me leading the conversation on BL... Are you, are you kidding me? I mean, Hello, Charlotte, we've I'm been doing... Here. Charlotte, we've been doing this podcast since like yeah. June. So this last week's podcast. Yeah, we've actually discussed it quite many, a time. many times. But the thing is, right, Charlotte, this guy, like by the sound of things, he's like a regular listener. I and he, he didn't even name us. Like he just said the two main guys, and obviously that's two us. Two main guys. Well, am I a bloke? No. Also, and you have been here long enough, so maybe he'll leave you, you know, another review, leave another review when you've actually had time to bed in. Well, Alex, Alex okay. And sorry, you did miss, like, your third or fourth week. Because the what? I was ill. On a, on, a, on a genuine thing, though, on a genuine thing, Alex, thank you so much for the lovely review. We really appreciate you listening. We appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast. Thank you so much. Genuinely. Like, you said, like, subscribe, leave a comment, tell your friends about it. We genuinely, we love it. And please give Charlotte some love as well, because she's looking, I feel like Charlotte, you've been attacked a bit in the last, you know, 10 minutes or so. I, I won't lie, my, my ego's slightly bruised. <laughs> I don't know if that's a bad thing. <laughs> no, I really, we always appreciate reviews and stuff here. And that is actually, such, imagine if we got like a one star review or something, that would have been awful. Yeah, so, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have read that out. I, I think, I think, no, I actually think we need to commit to this. Every single one star review we get, we are reading out on Ooh, the podcast. No, every single five star review, because then people start leaving yeah. one star reviews. Every single no, five star, to, like, if you give us a five star or a one star review, we are Guys, reading it out. Months we've had one review, okay? I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'd love to have haters and people that troll us, but we're not quite there yet. We're not quite there yet, but thank you very much, Alex White. Right, we're going to take a little break from discussing Mank, but fear not, we're going to be back talking about Mank's screenplay, delving into why and how the movie is in black and white, and of course, making our predictions of, on whether or not it can win the Oscar or not. Uh, we're also going to be reviewing the United States versus Billy Holiday. Am I saying that right, Ben? Yes, that is. Yes. Uh, we're going to be reviewing that later on. But right now, let's talk about the show that is doing bits on Netflix at the minute. Uh, Nereini's Black Bottom. Yes. What a strange title. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's based off the... It's based off the August Wilson. Guys, we need to go visual. I feel like that would add so much more to the podcast. We need to record it and put it on YouTube. We actually should. Um, yeah. But, yeah, let's do it. But, um, like, this is based off the August Wilson play, um, 
and it was on when they read out the Oscar nominations. It was one of the shocks that it wasn't there. But it is almost definitely, like, I don't own a house. Um, I don't own a dog. I don't own anything of any value. But if I did, I would bet it on Chadwick Boseman winning the Oscar for Best Actor for his performance in this film. Um, it's based off a recording day in the studio between the real-life singer... Mark Rainey, who's trying to put her band, but she's a middle-aged black woman who, um, in the 1920s, so as you can imagine, gets absolutely no respect from her white manager, um, which is awful, and it does properly go into the racism. Viola Davies is wonderful as Mark Rainey, who's not in a huge amount of the film, but um, is deserves her Oscar nomination. Um, that you also see the trumpeter Livy, Lev, Levi, uh, played by Chadwick Boseman in his final performance, who um, he wants to make it big. He wants to change the music industry. He's up and coming. He's optimistic. And through it's based off a play, so it's basically a bunch of people sitting around talking for 90 minutes. And they have some really interesting and nuanced discussions about race. Um, Viola Davis is brilliant. Um, She's a queen. She actually genuinely is first woman, black woman ever to get two nominations in the Best Actress category at the Oscars. And she's, I don't think she could give a bad performance if she tried. Um, and this is one of her better ones. Um, and she's only in 25 minutes of the film, but it is Matt Rainey's story. You you miss her when she's not on stage. It's, so this is a, it's a series, yeah? Or it's a film, because it's nominated it's at the Oscars. Wait, it's at the Oscars? Oh, right. Uh, yeah. For some reason, I feel like Oscars should do uh, series as well. Well, the Emmys do series. That's it. That's it. And See, the Golden I'm, Globes I'm do I'm learning that. every time we do a podcast. And, uh, and... Charlotte is uh, looking at her phone right now, presumably trying to track down this Alex White 1234 who uh, has, has not mentioned her. Yeah. No, I was just reading it. <laughs> just I, re what reading the review. I, 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 okay. yeah. I, I actually oh, I I mentioned. Maybe I'll read it again, and maybe I'll see if I can mention. <laughs> oh, still haven't. I, I just can't believe that review is actually real and not faked. Um, no, I think that's really nice. That it's it's a lovely thing. Yeah, it's actually oh, made me really smile. I hope he's listening right now and realizes how much we appreciate it. Like on a serious, like that is really lovely to yeah. hear. Yeah. Um, even though it has nothing to do with me, but really nice to hear and very encouraging. People like carry on doing it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Back I will to... be leaving the show. <laughs> Back to a few. I mean, to be fair, Mank probably also had a part to play in that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh dear, oh dear. So, Mr. Rainey's Black Bottom. It's on Netflix. What Oscar is it up for, Ben? So it's up for. I think it's been nominated for five. Um, it missed picture. It missed writing, which was shocks. Viola Davis probably is the only actress without a shot at winning. That's right. mainly because Chadwick Boseman is the only nailed on sweep for an Oscar this year. He is so good. He's the he is a real arc, it's tragic. And like he Chadwick Boseman was a once in a generation actor. He was so talented and it's a shame we won't see him. Uh it's a shame this is his final performance and it's also a shame that people will say, well, he only won the Oscar because he died. And it's kind of the same thing people say about Heath Ledger for when he won for the Joker. They only won it because they died. 
No, Maybe, th- people this say is, this about everything. This I remember, is, you know, and, back at school, yeah, back and at school, be the... a teacher was leaving um, the school and they were like head of a, a house in the house music competition. We got accused of only winning because the teacher was leaving. Like, you know, the things people do, like you don't just hang out, uh, hand out awards for this reason, you know. It really pisses me off. Yeah, and I mean, look, we all know Oscars do go on narratives and final performance is definitely a narrative but he deserves the award based off skill and talent and ability. And when his widow takes to the stage to give the acceptance speech, I will cry, probably. She's she's very powerful His from his... Ben, and life. you just clarify, Oscars is the one where you literally get suited and booted and wake up in the middle of the night, put on a tux, crack some champagne. Yeah, I will be up at four. Many hours. Yeah, I will be up at four. I will be having an Oscar party with my flat and if we're allowed maybe my neighbours um, and I'll get some champagne and we'll play you some don't take Charlotte and I to get up at four in the morning do you no I don't no, I'll, already, I'll probably still be up yeah, yeah she'll Charlotte be up. will be up Living you will have school in the, in the middle of doing these internal exam things so. <laughs> so no thank you I mean I would like to point out I did the Oscars twice and went to school the next day. I went to Oscars twice and had double A-level economics the next morning. What, the actual exam? No, no, of course not the actual exam. Wait, but they're in April, Jacob. No, 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 no. we're doing... Because obviously A-levels, the actual exams aren't going ahead, so we're doing um, loads of, like, assessments internally that add add up to the overall grade. Um, So, yeah, got it got to be on it yeah and, and i just fluked my way to my grade um anyway right, guys should we get back to talking about man yeah charlotte yeah be more positive i don't no, no no i i i feel bad talking about it because oh alex white has uh left us another review uh charlotte needs to be more positive <laughs> I was scared then that it was actually gonna be something bad. No, 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 no. It's not it's not that. I just feel bad because obviously, like Ben said, this is such like a like for a cinematics point of view, this is such a great movie, but like and people work their asses off. And they work, so like, shall they we, work. I mean, there's a point here. Shall we talk about what was good? Um like because shall so shall we talk about someone who's Oscar nominated? So Charlotte, yeah, what did you Gary think of Oldman. Gary Oldman as Mank? I just said Gary Oldman, like it was two different words. Gary Oldman. <laughs> Well, he's an old man as well, though. Yeah, what did you think of Gary Oldman? I, I think he did. I think as an actor, he was so good in this film. He is a really incredible actor. And for a film that I had no emotional connection to, I do think it was really good. The only critique I would make is because the, the film was so emotionally cold, as Ben said, I think his performance, if anything, got downplayed because it was hard to connect with the character, if that makes sense. Yeah, but someone who's been, like, to be fair... He's been sober for over 20 years, I think I read. And for him to play an alcoholic, self-destructive person with as much skill as Herman J. Mankiewicz, who literally drank himself to death and got kicked out of Hollywood because of it by the time he's, like, in his 40s. And... and so like, I didn't know this. And Oldman is like so brilliant at playing a tragic court jester. Uh, what do you think, Jacob? You know, I just think he's a legend, isn't he? You know, he's a proper, he's a GOAT-tier actor, like, enough said. I think this, he was by far, in my opinion, the best part of this film. There's just something about watching him. He's just, like, he's incredible and he fitted his part perfectly, you know. Part, 
felt like because the film was in black and white, I didn't see enough. I felt like he had more to give that if he was in colour, we'd have got it. But I felt like black and white kind of held back his performance purely because we couldn't make out his facial expressions as clearly as possible. I actually disagree with that. Um, I think being in black and white actually helped him and it helped him be a better mank because um, the other thing that should be noted, um, and I don't agree with always cast the actors who are most similar to the roles, um, but he's 20 years older than Mank was when Mank died. Um, right. And there is a certain bit of Herman J. Mankovich, who is an alcoholic and self-destructive, but he wasn't an old man, which, no, Darry Oldman's not old, but he wasn't in his 60s. He was in his yeah. 30s and 40s. And maybe someone would have been a... There aren't many actors who are better than Gary Oldman, and there aren't many actors who could have done better performance, but maybe it didn't lead to truthfulness. And it also made the relationship between him and Amanda Seyfried's character, Marion Davies, slightly weirder. Because you love her, Ben, right? I thought this is Seyfried's best role in her career so far. And I mean, I'm I'd so just like glad. To point out that when ben, I, before we came on air, uh, Ben asked Charlotte who uh, Amanda was, and she had to Google her, and Ben goes, "The one with the blonde hair." To which Charlotte pointed out, "It's in black and white." And then I then went, "Mean Girls" and "Mamma Mia," and Charlotte went, "Lots of people have blonde hair in those films." But um, yeah, this I is her. I knew. I I know that the actress is called Amanda. It was the last. I never know their na last name, so that's why. Yeah. I, um, I yeah, this chat. is this is the best role in her career. She literally steals the screen. Like she's every only for like thirteen minutes. Yeah, she's she time. has thirteen minutes of screen time. Not which that is, counting. Yeah, I saw on Twitter that's that. Um but um like because people do actually count, which I'm very impressed with. Um but every time she's on screen, my eyes drifted to her away from what else was happening. And it feels like she's in more of the movie mm. than thirteen minutes. Um it's yeah. Uh, she would. I'm glad she got nominated for the Oscar. She's not going to win. I'm also not rooting for her because I hope Maria Bakalova wins for Borat, mainly so Borat can win an Oscar. Um, but and I think Maria Bakalova gives the best performance in that category. But if Amanda I mean, Seyfried was to win, definitely she didn't steal the film, which is what you just said she did. Charlotte, what did you think? Because I know you are a big Mean Girls fan. I am. Who isn't? I me. Well, I, 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 I'm a fan of a lot of her movies, actually. So, I mean, I love her as an actress, clearly. Um, I think she's great. It's good to see someone in more diverse um, roles, though, than yeah, just yeah, chick flicks. And I love the diversity. I think it's really good for her general, like, as an actress character portfolio to have played this different role. I, like I said, like Ben said, actually, I do, I do feel like she was in the film longer than 13 minutes, actually. However, I am going to disagree with Ben and say, this was not her best role yet, in my opinion. I mean... In Mean Girls versus Dear John, then Mamma Mia. I mean, the list goes on of the incredible films that she has done. I mean, there's so, so many iconic roles she's played. And every time I see her in a movie, so if you compare, like, Mean Girls to um, who she plays, uh, Karen Smith, versus then playing Sophie in Mamma Mia, I forget that's the same actress because yeah. she plays it so well like she's just fantastic strong actress she's such a strong actress and, and like Lester Julia oh my god there's just so many she does well so I can't say this is the best role in her career I'm so happy to hear she's been nominated for an Oscar though because like I said it she stole the show but 
amazing performance from her, but I wouldn't say it's the best in her career. I mean, I think it depends because, like, this is... Maybe I... She's not in a lot of Mean Girls. It's a memorable character, but actually... Yeah, she's in a pretty fair amount of it, personally. Yeah, but she has very little to do, and this is not kind of demeaning any of the roles that Amanda Seyfried has had, and I do think she's really talented, but this is arguably what you could call the most prestigious role of her career. It's with a big director, it's in an Oscar Beatty film, It she's playing someone who lived, um, and she's acting off, and it's not one of those, and there are great performances in light-hearted films, but I, and I think she's great in Mamma Mia and Mean Girls, but what she They're does in hard those, roles to play though yeah. necessarily. This but what she does role. in Mank is a billion times better. And if she gets more roles like this in the future, people will remember her. Oh, I a hundred percent think she should get more roles like this in the future because for the time she did have, she smashed it. But then, you know, you gotta remember she, she did like Lay Miz and she was so talented in that. So I, 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 she's just done so many iconic roles that I... thought she did well, but you don't think it was her best. You'd say, like, yeah. Miss was. But, but, but I think if she had a bigger role, I think it would be her best. You, yeah. Like, the time she was on, she was fantastic, but... This but, is also the first time I've really seen her in a film, and a good film, that she's yeah. not been overshadowed in. Because yeah. when you think of Mean Girls, you think of Rachel McAdams as um, Regina George. When you think of Mamma Mia, you think of, like... Meryl Streep and Piers Brosnan. Um, yeah, this is the first time she's like, when you think of Les Mis, you think of Hugh Jackman. This is the first time it's her. Uh, but moving on from the wonderful Amanda, you said earlier you thought Jack Fincher's writing was great. So do you want to go more on it, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about the screenplay, right? Firstly, the writers, like I said, kill a script. It's so well written. The flashbacks, my God, right? I loved, you know, one of the things that I loved about this film that genuinely got me excited was the flashbacks, right? Mm. Yeah. Why are you looking at me so confused? Well, no, it's like the flashbacks is emulating Citizen Kane as well because Citizen Kane is a story of a guy on his deathbed and then it's told through flashbacks and newsreels. Um, See, I didn't get that, but I got the flashbacks. And long-time listeners of the podcast will know that I'm a big, big fan of Arrow and the Arrowverse. And it kind of like, I just love anything with flashbacks because I love Arrow. And I kind of like the way that in um, in Mank, you know, one of the few things I actually liked about the film was that the smallest things in the flashbacks actually like were relevant. Does, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. No, I, I thought the flashbacks no, 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 were... No, I, really... I love the flashbacks. I completely I love yeah, flashbacks. No. So for me, like, the screenplay, the writing, exceptional. Like I said, I don't think it all came together. But, you know, the flashbacks for me were the only watchable thing. I Yeah. Yeah, so... I, it, I mean, it, they saved the film-ish, you know. They, they, were, they were the best part of the film. So Jack. this film, Jack Fincher, David Fincher's director's father, spent years trying to get made. Um, and sadly, you've never seen it being completed. The script is genuinely great, and it's kind of a bit of a shame that it actually didn't get nominated at the Oscars because, like, I can't believe the writer's what, branch... Uh, the best writing? Yeah, I can't believe the writer's branch didn't vote this because it's all about the art of writing films, and I really like the touch of, in Citizen Kane, it's the story about a newsman, um, William Randolph Hearst, um, 
who's in Mank quite prominently. Um, and it's told through like newsreels and interviews and a journalist trying to find the truth of one man. And they talk about how that's never real. And I quite liked how in Mank they kind of went through it as if it was like a screenplay and going place X and then moving into the scene. I thought that was really neat. And I also thought the fact is this screenplay has so many facts and details that if you are a classical Hollywood nut or someone who likes reading about it and finding out how films were made in the old days, there's so much stuff for you to enjoy. And before, because I know you two have some opinions on the way the movie looks, but Jake, yes. you mentioned the Arrowverse. What do you think of the fact that with Batwoman, they're doing the whole, I've changed actress and I look completely different because of my injuries? What? They're doing that? Yeah, with the Captain, there's uproar about Captain America. No, that's a different, that's, that's different, Charlotte. No, I know, but they're they definitely doing this with Batwoman. Yeah, well, they've recast Kate Kane now. I didn't think it, I may be wrong, I haven't watched it yet. I don't actually know if it's out. Is it out yet? Then? I think it's out in the, I, I do not watch the Arrowverse. I read on. I know the flashes, so yeah, it potentially I, is, but. I read an article. I remember, obviously, Ruby Rose, who we uh, quit quit playing Kate Kane Batwoman. But I remember that they put out a casting and the, the rumour was that they were going to cast a complete new character. So get rid of Kate Kane and cast someone as a well, new they did. character who took up the mantle of Batwoman. They did. Like, I'm... They did do that. Um, Like, they did. And the first half of the season, from what I understand, I have not seen the film but I've read and listened to people talking about the second season of Batwoman. The first 10 episodes had a new character taking up the mantle of Batwoman, and now Kate Kane has returned looking completely different, and she's like, it's because of my injuries. Kate Kane and this new person. Are interacting. And it's like, it's it's doing the totally soapy plot line of, well, my face got burnt and now I look completely different. Mate, they've also had to do that in Flash. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but Ralph Digby's the, Digby's the character. Uh, it's the a very actually... CW plot line. Um, yeah, I mean, the character got sat for some racist tw- tweets, so I'm kind of glad he's gone. But yeah, it's probably the same kind of situation there. Well, it's right what's, the, what's the show thing. where they... What's the, like my favourite one of those examples, I can't remember which show it was, they took the brain of the actor who had been sacked out of them and put it into a different actor's body. So it's like, same brain, different body. Again, it kind of would make more sense if it wasn't all over the press that the character's been sacked, the actor's been sacked, because now we think, oh, that's why they're doing that. No, it's, it's Guys, a terrible plot. you got to talk about it. Ben, you're going on a rampage. You're doing a classic Ben. You know, let's bring up Mario Kart while we're at it. I never thought it'd be you to go off about the Arrowverse either. Guys, I want to talk about it. The black and white look of the movie. Why? Ben, why did they do this, man? To make it look like Citizen Kane. What did you think of it, Charlotte? I <laughs> love black and white movie. I literally, I love it. I love black and white. I think it's such a times. I think it's just so cute. Oh, just, I have so many fantasies with like a black and white movie in it. I just, I love them. I think they are so cute and timeless and like... Just, you're, it's like a snippet into the other world. Like, people actually watch, like, black and white... Obviously, they actually watch black and white movies. But, like, you know, like, that was that was the thing. Like, they went out to the cinema and they watched a black and white movie. I just think it's such a cool snippet of history before we had, like, coloured television and everything like that. So, I mean, I loved it. I loved the fact they, they pushed it out there and went for a black and white movie. Unfortunately for me, it didn't 
really land in the sense of I get that it was to try and be like Citizen Kane, which obviously is great from a cinematics point of view to do that. Really love how much they pushed the boat out with this movie. But for someone who just wanted to watch the, the movie for entertainment purposes, it wasn't the fact it was a black and white movie that it didn't land well with me. It was just that the movie didn't have enough substance for me. But I, but, but I loved it. I mean, if you haven't guessed, I hate the fact that it's in black and white. Like I said, the part of the pod, so many start of the pod, so many great factors in this movie, but it just didn't land. The final product wasn't there. I think a lot of it is due, in my opinion, to the black and white. It just I know they were going for like an old school vibe, but there's a reason black and white films are a thing of the past and not the present. They're not though. It's just it's just dated. But black and white films are not dated and it's not a thing of the past or the present. We'll tie wrap up in a minute, but it's, it it's, it's not though. Just because technology's moved forward does not mean it's still actually, it's a more they artistic choice now. Nearly everything is released in colour for a reason. It looks better. No, it, it allows it you to connect it doesn't, with it more. It's all about the story and what works better. And, um, the 40-year-old uh, version on Netflix, which came out last year, is brilliant. And the black and white helps it. Lots of Spike Lee's films, great director when black and white, because he chose them to be, and it suited the films. The Lighthouse last year was in black and white, and it made the horror film darker and grittier. Like, if you think... I don't like it personally. I don't. I mean, I'll stand by that. And I personally think it was just... Yeah, but Ben, right? You're listening it's to an I artistic said, I choice. A thing of the past. Hang on, I said I think they're a thing of the past. But this film, you can't deny that because this film is trying to be 1940s. Yeah, I mean, they are okay. In the 1940s, everything was black and white because it was much much cheaper. Now it's more expensive, and it's made as an artistic decision. Um, so many film directors argue their film should have been made in black and white. But it was a studio mandated decision. So many go back and re-release. Mad Max, Zack Snyder's Justice League is getting a re-black and white release. Parasite, last year's Best Picture winner did. Like, black and white does not mean outdated. Actually, often it makes things look better and more interesting and more unique now. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the risk they took is very applaudable. Mm. Like, definitely was um, a good one. Um, and I kind of made me respect the movie more that they chose to take that risk. I agree with Jacob in the sense of I actually don't think this film should have been in black and white. I do think it was because of the history with Citizen Gain and stuff that they were trying to embed that. And I completely respect it. But I think because of how emotionally cold the movie was, the fact it was in black and white just made it even more distant. Because the the one thing I'd say about difference is when there was just black and white films, they knew that this movie was going to be in black and white. It's always been in black and white. So I feel like in that time, they worked with the black and white. And I'm not saying they didn't do it in this time either, but it's just a different culture. And I just, I think with, I think they just put too much into the pot, basically. Yeah. I just yeah. feel like they tried to put in too much. No, that's, that's, that's a fair point. I wasn't too hard. Like, I wasn't arguing with your views that it was the wrong decision for this film, but I was arguing with the comments that it's a thing of the past and it makes I believe that in my opinion I believe it is a thing of the past and like I, I do yeah but in my opinion that's like saying I don't like documentaries or I don't like foreign language films or because there are genuinely great films with or I don't like rom-coms or I don't like superhero films you're closing you're narrowing what you like and then you're not enhancing your tastes and you're not improving as a film but fan. I don't like them and this film 
kind of echo, even like I exaggerate my thoughts. Like black and white movie, you'd enjoy Jacob. Yeah, I, I could... really great ones out there. Mm. Psycho, the nineteen sixties yeah. film. Exactly, Psycho is so much better. Yeah, well, you guys, you can, between you, you can make it your mission to find a black and white movie that you think I would like. Psycho, you should be watching. You should watch anyway, Jake, because it's a great film, and I think that movie is so much more haunting. All right. It's in black. When, and white. when the Oscars is done, I'll watch it. And there was, and there was a, a a version of Psycho made in color, like shot for shot, much worse film. Anyway, let's before we quickly talk about United States versus Billy Holiday. Uh, we're going to answer the question which you came here to listen to. Can Mank win Best Picture? And we're going to keep this quick because I think we all have the same opinion. Yeah, I Definitely not. <laughs> um, this film no, no, was the I'm early, it was no, the no, early no, front runner for so long, but it's too emotionally cold. And to be a Best Picture winner, you need a rooting factor. You need to be able to get behind it and root for it. It's, the best example of this is Chariot of Fire, a film that won Best Picture, not the best film of that year, but it's about a race and you root for the characters. Slumdog Millionaire, not the best film of 08, but you rooted for the characters. Even, what's a recent film? Even Green Book, not the best film of 2018, but you rooted for the characters and you don't in this film. It led the nominations on 10. I genuinely think it could go home empty-handed. Um, but that said, it's been a weak year and it has got a good shot in a couple of technical categories like cinematography, costume design. Yes, yeah. The pan the pandemic means that it's a uh, not. It's there are genuinely the some because there just wasn't. There was a lot of movies scheduled that are having to be pushed back. There's, there's loads of things. And lots of stuff didn't finish production and stuff in time. But I don't think that makes 2020 a bad year for films. I just think it means a film like Mank will win Oscars where in the past it didn't. But that doesn't demean them or make... There are still genuinely Do you brilliant think it films. Do would have got nominated if it was released last year? Uh, 2019? Yes, I, I do. I, 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 I think so, a film that's made for the critics rather than the audience. As. No, this film isn't also necessarily made for critics. They've actually not... They've liked it but not loved it. It's made for the people who vote on the Oscars. Which yeah, is why I mean at the Academy, sorry, not Yeah, who are, who are filmmakers. So in that sense, I think it would have always got nominated. Yeah. And far worse films have been nominated for Best Picture. And far worse films have won Best Picture. I mean, so, if you think about it, when it comes even to just Best Actors winning, I, I mean, personally, I always think back to Leonardo DiCaprio winning Best Actor for one of, in my opinion, not as good performances, but he won Best Actor for it, you know films do come up top and performances do come up top when necessarily the audience might not agree with it and i think this is just one of those situations i mean bohemian rhapsody won four oscars and mm -hmm. that is a terrible film with the best 20 minute ending i've ever seen which just makes it a mediocre <laughs> the movie John one is a lot better yeah and that didn't get anywhere so that just proves the oscars are really shit taste sometimes um anyway let's talk about a film ever on the board <laughs> what you've got to be careful of what you say in case you're ever on the board of the oscars i wouldn't because i'm not going to make films because it's far too hard and i have too much respect and i would be so terrible at making movies oh, I'm, I'm not no, patient you enough you actually no. wouldn't i think you'd be good i think it'd take you a long time because i think you keep reverting your decision I'm, I'm not patient i'm not good at working in teams I'm, i would make <laughs> terrible 
I'm I'm not a great leader. Um, there are several things that means I would make a ter- I would be terrible at filmmaking, which is why I like watching and talking about films because I have so much respect for everyone who does them. But quickly, let's talk about the United States versus Billie Holiday. Um, Andra Day, who sang "Rise Up," um, the pop singer. Uh, it's her first and potentially last ever acting role as Billie Holiday. Is that um, pretty Charlotte? No, last because she said she might retire because it was such a difficult, challenging role. Um, and she I does. It's just love, Charlotte. Um, huh? It follows the legendary. Just love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Charlotte, Charlotte, what do you mean? You did you just like open a funny meme or something? No, I laughed because of the fact Ben said that it might be her last performance. Yeah, and to be fair, normally so when like, you go, I it's... I was going to be like, because her performance was so rubbish. No. I was yeah. like, that's... Yeah, funny. normally where you go, it's their first and probably last. It means something's terrible. Well, in this yeah, case, it's because point. she's playing Billie Holiday, who was a drug addict in the 60s and literally hunted and pursued by the FBI um, every single day of her life. And it meant it was really difficult for Day to turn into Holiday. And she found it emotionally draining. But my God, is she amazing in the movie. She is oh, so... I, I'm not hugely impressed with the film as a whole. It's very repetitious. It's too long. But Day becomes Billie Holiday. Um, she sings really well. She's beautiful. And the film's all about talking truth to power and how actually people in power don't want to hear it um there's one reason to watch this film it's Andrew Day's Billie Holiday she's the movie's only nomination she has a shot at winning the Oscar since she shocked everyone by winning the Golden Globe and she also has a shot by fact she's one of five people nominated um and everyone has a shot and if she was to win I would be beyond happy because I think she's brilliant so yeah Amazing, amazing. Uh, what are we doing next week on the RTE Film Podcast? Are we doing a film which did bits at the RTE Film Awards, uh, Charlotte, when you weren't part of us? Um, the Trial of Chicago 7. We're doing that, right? Yeah, we're doing The Trial of the Chicago... Which hopefully yeah, you guys will like this, a bit when more. When we did the RTE Film Awards and all our, all our rankings, and you've reviewed this on the podcast before, you've really, like, you've always, like, bigged up this 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 film. So I'm excited to actually finally watch it. Because um, I wouldn't have got around to watching it, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, like I said, make sure you are listening next week and make sure you like and subscribe to the RTE Film Podcast. Leave us a five-star review. I mean, you don't have to, but it'd be nice. Also, leave us a lovely little comment as well, like Alex White, one, two, three, four, and maybe give Charlotte a bit of love as well, I'm sure. We love you, Alex. We appreciate that. Anyway, we will catch you next week. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, goodbye. Bye.